Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hey, Dr. Denise. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Long time since we got together. Yes, it's been a while. It's been a while. We're taking a little break. Our listeners may know that, you know, getting our clerical stuff together and and now we're back. Yeah, but also getting our personal health calendar together. Absolutely. Taking care of self. Right. Getting those eye exams, mammograms, (laughs) and COVID shots. And COVID shots. So I've got my first one. How about you? I've had my second one, so I'm all immunized. Fabulous, fabulous. I get my second one soon. So, so far, so good. No side effects for me. How about you? None here. Uh, Mommy, 95, got her first one, second one due in a couple of weeks. Yep. My mom gets her second one the day after me. So, so So far, so good. Yeah, being old doesn't mean that you can't get it. And I think that my mother did better than I did. <laughs> I, Me too. My mother was like, what are you doing to me? She was saying to the person about to give her the shot and they distracted her and she had no idea what happened. So it worked out very well. Me, on the other hand, I had to squirm a little bit, but it, it didn't hurt. To our listeners, it didn't hurt. Good. It didn't hurt. All right. Well, today we'd like to talk about the stigma of Alzheimer's and Of course, stigma is a use of negative labels to identify a person with a disability or illness. And personally, I'd like to say that in my beginning experience with my parents and their disorder, I was uh, perplexed, I think is the word, about my parents' behaviors. Dad was unable to reason and mom was difficult and confused. And so I had to learn to educate myself and be more understanding about their behaviors. And, and I was uncomfortable. And I think being uncomfortable with their behaviors in public, I hope I wasn't guilty of stigmatizing them, but I found myself trying to excuse their behaviors. And, you know, like with dad, I would laugh off things like, I remember telling our listeners he would go to the grocery store and buy lots of things that he wasn't supposed to. And, and then mom would, you know, not know how to pay for things when we'd go to the grocery store and just hand the clerk her wallet. And that was like one of my first recognitions that something was wrong. So I wasn't embarrassed of them, but I was embarrassed for them. So that's a stigma in some way, isn't it? Yes and no. I think that we're all afraid of what we don't understand. And when we don't understand something, we kind of hide things. We kind of uh, deny certain behaviors are in play. 
but I think that when you said something interesting, you said I wasn't embarrassed by them, I was embarrassed for them, which is important. So as a caregiver, one of the things that I think families experience is you may appreciate that there's a change in behavior that doesn't quite make sense to you. And while you can put up with it, when other people see it, it's an embarrassment, okay? So if mom or dad is incontinent at home and at home they're incontinent, you know, it's not really a problem. Right. It becomes a problem when I take mom and dad out of the house and let's just say dad has to urinate and he pulls his pants down in public. That's an embarrassment. Yes. Okay? Right. Or the idea that mom has forgotten how to use her eating utensils, her fork and her knife and starts using her fingers to eat. And you're like, mama, stop that, stop that. You know, so that's embarrassing. Okay, mm -hmm. so when that starts to happen in public, my observation of families is that they start to leave those people at home. So rather than investigate the behavior and try to understand why it's happening, we frustrate ourselves understanding and appreciating that our parents are having some difficulty, but rather than address it, we keep going on like there's nothing going on. Exactly. Until they're embarrassed by something that they've done. Yes. And um, personal case, my mother-in-law started urinating on everything she sat upon. Mm. And it wasn't a problem until it was a problem when <laughs> other people noticed it. Right. And it was hard to get her son and her husband to appreciate that she needed some kind of assessment or another level of care, neither one of them wanted to address. So when it comes to stigma, nobody likes to, you know, cancer, having a diagnosis of cancer used to be a stigma. I don't want people to know that I got the big C, okay? Well, now the big D is dementia. People don't want people to know that they've got dementia or that there's something wrong with the way that they're behaving. And what I need family caregivers to appreciate is when something doesn't look right, when people aren't behaving the way you think they should, we need to investigate. We don't need to bury our head in the sand and pretend nothing's going on. We need to investigate. So the stigma is really not so much stigma as it is embarrassment by their behaviors. Right. And, and that's why I appreciate you so much, because when all of these things were happening, it's when we first met and I came to you and you said, get him tested get them tested. And, and I think when you're educated about something, you understand it better and you're more tolerant and you're able to handle it. You make better decisions. So when um, we talk about if you're a caregiver, let's take a class. A lot of family caregivers don't want to take a caregiving education class or a class on dementia or don't want to join a support group because they feel it pulls upon their time. But what you will find is that when you enroll in these classes, when you join these support groups, you are introduced to a whole nother universe of people who are going through the exact same thing that you are going through. And more importantly is you get care tips. You know, I had one family member who was the on-site caregiver for her mother and her sister was in another place. And the sister noticed that it was harder and harder for her to get her mother dressed. 
So she found a website where there were like snap off clothing, like like the snap on jeans, yeah. snap apart pants. Yeah. That she could get to put in on her mother so that it would be easier to get her dressed and undressed. And she shared that. And I'm like, I didn't know there was such a thing that existed. Me either. So knowing that there are, let's just say, adaptable clothing for people who have incontinence. You know, we're familiar with a hospital gown, but nobody walks around the house in a hospital gown. But to know that you can have a snap-on, snap-off dress or sweater or a pair of trousers made caring for that person so much easier. So I think that we reduce embarrassment by our family members' behaviors when we encounter, when we acknowledge and go through the trouble of trying to figure out what's wrong. And when you have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, any kind of dementia, if you have a diagnosis of a mental illness, if you have a diagnosis of cancer, there is always a universe of people that are undergoing the same challenges that you are. And they have tips, just like mothers share tips for raising children, where the children are perfectly healthy. They just have funny behaviors, right. a mama's support group. You know, there are support groups for those of us who have family members who are living with dementia. And aside from the support groups, always enroll in some kind of training to learn all you can about whatever disease process it is, just so that you can appreciate that you're not the only one being embarrassed because your mother and father are eating with their hands in public. The other side part to that is if you don't want to be embarrassed by your parents eating with their hands in public, you don't put them in a position where they have to act like everybody else. You put them in safe zones and safe environments. If home is that environment, fine. If home, if the environment is a um, senior center or a, special, a specialized inclusive activity where people can come and it's okay for her eat, to eat with her hands and her fingers, then that's the place you bring her. You don't bring her to a four-star diamond, four-diamond restaurant and expect her to eat like everybody else. Absolutely. And it's it's an understanding. You say you reach out and you find out information and, and you support groups and, and use the knowledge that you that's out there to educate you about your loved one. So, you know, I came to the point where I wasn't embarrassed anymore because it was it was an, who they were. And I was able to accept them for that. And once I just let them be who they were, all the stress and all the anxiety went away. And, and I know in, in some families that, you know, in a, the way a stigma may manifest itself is that it tests friendships sometimes and it tests family dynamics. Some family members will avoid interacting with that person because they're, yes. They're a little afraid. They don't know how to approach them. What would you tell them? I would say the same thing we've just talked about. If that individual is a concerned family member and is really genuinely interested in the person that you're caring for, that person will see to it that he or she uh, gets some kind of training to help them understand better. But the other side of that is please don't subject your relatives to people who are like that because people who don't want those people in their lives are not going to make it easy for you, 
nor are they gonna make it easy for the person who's living with dementia. So if you have somebody in your orbit, a relative, let's just say um, siblings have different ways of dealing with it, but maybe the child, the, the sibling of the relative, the, the person who's affected, you know, if she's got all these little knickknacks around the table and your mother wants to pick them up and put them in her purse, and she's going to have a conniption about you bringing your mother to her house to put these knickknacks in her purse. Don't, take don't her go, there. don't go visit her. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't go visit her. Don't go visit and, her. And um, you put the person with dementia in a setting that's comfortable for them and around people who are going to be accepting of the challenges that they have and not embarrassed and not yell at them and scream at them all the time. Because there are within families different levels of acceptance, different levels of interest and responsibility. I have lots of family members who are only interested to see how much money they're going to get from the estate. Oh, wow. I, well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, and I haven't thought about that, but the point of this is <laughs> that please, if you are living with somebody who has some kind of challenge, whether it's uh, living with dementia or living with a physical disability, don't put that person in a position to be embarrassed, to be made uncomfortable um, just because they're being themselves. Try to limit those kinds of negatives because that makes your life as a caregiver that much more difficult. It really does. And, and I learned in the process that, as you said, keep your loved one in a safe environment, keep it, keep them where they feel comfortable. And I learned that there are far more kind and understanding people out there than not. And when I would go to stores or restaurants, like I said, at first I was uncomfortable myself, but then I got the knowing looks and the understanding and the help. And there's so, there are so many kind strangers and they were overly kind and overly helpful. So please remember, listeners remember, there are a lot of kind folks out there and they understand. And in this day and age, uh, I have to second that. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with your ethnicity or what part of the country you're in. I found people opening doors for me. It's like, oh, my mother had that. I know just what you're going through here. Let me get that for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or somebody allowing you, here, you just go on and go through the line. I'll get it. I know you like to take your mother to Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> but for, wait, for those listeners who don't have a Golden Corral, it's a huge buffet where you can eat everything. And my mother would sit there all day and pile her plate up and eat like one bite. But they let her do it. They knew who she was when we were coming. But with the pandemic, we don't do that anymore. But yes, I used to love to do that. <laughs> uh, just just let sit her there and pile up her plate. And somebody say, oh, honey, you go on and you get yours. I'll watch her. Right, right. Everyone is helpful. There are plenty of angels out there. So just to, to recap, you shouldn't be embarrassed by somebody's behavior. You need to investigate that behavior and try to understand where it's coming from. And when you get that understanding, deal with it. But more importantly, don't put your relative, 
with dementia in a situation that's uncomfortable for him or her. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Monica. Thank you, Dr. Denise. Great advice. Please visit our Twitter page, MPMK at MPMK Podcast, and our Instagram page, My Parents Are Now My Kids. See you next time.